You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part two of my conversation with JT O'Sullivan of the QB School, former 49er, former NFL quarterback, breaking down this crop of quarterbacks in the NFL draft. We talked a lot about Justin Fields Tuesday. Today, we're going to finish up that conversation getting into Mac Jones and Trey Lance and Zach Wilson and and how these guys rank out and get to the bottom of what the 49ers should be doing here at pick three in the 2021 NFL draft. We'll get to your questions as well to finish up the show at BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me and get those questions into me to be a part of one of these locked on 49ers mailbag. And with that, let's get back into it with JT O'Sullivan. All right, JT, help me out with this one. Talk to me about Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback. Fantastic season, statistically, won the national championship, obviously. There is a lot to like. He's, you know, maybe gets bad mouth too much because to me, he's more of a borderline first round talent that's getting pushed way up in this draft and being connected to the 49ers at pick three. Physically, just doesn't compare and doesn't measure up to some of the other quarterbacks we're talking about, like Justin Fields and Trey Lance, which we'll get to in a minute some strengths he has and he gets the ball out and is very decisive and they won the natty there and obviously put up crazy good numbers. But is that enough in your mind to go all the way up at number three for a team to move up and spend that much on a prospect? I mean, the short answer is no. The, uh, there just isn't. And I, and I like Mac Jones. I think you touched on a lot of the things that comes across in the film. Uh, I know he's got the reputation for being a really fast processor. And, and you can see that in some film. I think uh, today I put out a video on Mac and he basically, to me, he looks like an eight to 10 year veteran, someone who knows how to get through reads, make good decisions, get the ball out on time. I think sometimes he doesn't make the throw that you would expect a guy who's a top tier guy on Sundays to make, whether it's a tight window, whether it's a little bit of anticipation, whether it's putting it exactly where he wants to down the field. But for me to say, you know, do I personally think that they made that move to get someone who plays a position like Mac Jones does? No, I don't. And I don't, I'm not plugged in. Uh, you know, I'm not, not trying to be plugged in like uh, all those people that pretend to be that. And maybe they obviously get paid a lot of money to see something that I don't see. But for me, you know, there's a, uh, when it comes to the way that the position is evolving across the landscape of the league and what you look at the top tier guys being able to do athletically, uh, physically gifted wise, all those types of things, different throws, Mac Jones doesn't fall in that bucket. And that doesn't mean, you know, it's easy to say, compare him to like, yeah, he does the same thing that Tom Brady does, please. You know, Tom Brady is at a different level when it comes to everything. And so it's hard for me to, I kind of chuckle anytime I hear that comp, that comp. And so it's just an idea of saying, hey, they make all these moves to get to number three. I think there are more athletic, dynamic guys in the draft at that position than Mac Jones. Doesn't mean that he won't be successful. Doesn't mean that if he gets picked by the 49ers at number three, that he won't be the rookie of the year. Because Maybe whoever gets picked there is going to be the rookie of the year. And so it's it's about long-term, who the best prospect is. And is that him at number three? I just don't think so. He, and I'm right there with you on those things. And when it comes to his just pure arm and his ability to throw the ball, and you know he's got accuracy, and sometimes he throws a pretty deep ball, sometimes you know falls a little bit short. And I think we saw a lot of that in his pro day workout too. You know, not that you want to take a ton out of pro days, but when you see on the same day Justin Fields doing what he's doing at his pro day, and Mac Jones is just kind of yeah, just kind of pedestrian looking. And all the players that Mac Jones gets 
compared to even Tom Brady. Tom Brady was a sixth round pick for a reason. And Kirk Cousins was a, was a fourth round pick and Matt Schaub and even Jimmy Garoppolo. I've seen him get compared to as a second round player. Um, obviously those guys got drafted where they were drafted for a reason. So would it have to be a scenario where everything else has to be perfect? Or do you see enough arm talent, see enough physical talent with his, his feet and being able to maneuver around the pocket to be a high level NFL starter? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing within the kind of boundaries of his game that would immediately eliminate him from being a consistent high level starter. I think like any quarterback, it depends on the huddle that you're in. It depends on the organization. It depends on all those things. But for me and who just my own personal take, I personally would have a really hard time if Justin Fields was available, if Trey Lance was available, that I would say, no, 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 no. I want to go Mac Jones. I like his skill set, his projection for the next decade in the league better than those two guys. Now, that's just me. And it certainly sounds like a lot of other people around the organization think differently. And, you know, that's why there are 32 teams. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens. I just personally don't feel that they're in the same category as far as the ceiling of what they could be on Sundays for the next decade than what you know what you have with Mac Jones right now, which is good. It is good. I think he's got a lot of chance to go have a successful career somewhere else. I just don't necessarily see the number three pick in the draft, especially after you made the moves. It's really more than the number three, right? So it's it's, it's all those things. Right. Is is Trey Lance the toughest evaluation for you, uh, just based on how little information there is, just the, the the limited amount of data points there are for a player who played one game in 2020 that was sort of this weird, almost preseason-like feel to it. So you've got to go back to 2019 tape and, you know, maybe some reportedly strong Zoom meetings with teams. If he's a really smart guy, that could probably come across for you, I'm sure. But again, moving up all the way to number three, you're drafting a player who's big and smart and fast, but still you're doing that based off of 2019 tape and some Zoom meetings. And the 49ers, there actually there might be another pro day happening for the 49ers to be able to go see Trey Lance in person. But the GM, the court, uh, the head coach have never met the guy. That seems like a lot to go off of and a really tough projection for me to go up that high and draft a player. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, I, I think that he and Jamie Newman, as far as prospects, I, I don't think Jamie Newman is quite in the same category as far as physical tools that Trey Lance has shown, but they both have levels of difficulty because of the catalog of work, right? So, yeah, you touched on already the showcase game in the fall. Uh, the other thing that I would add to that is that he is a very intriguing prospect for me. I think he's the youngest guy in the draft. I think he's got a significant ceiling that probably no one really knows what it looks like. I think that's the exciting part of it. I'm a big fan of that program. I love that program, how they play football. Uh, they are tough, they, how they run the ball. But at the same time, uh, and to be kind of to go against what I said earlier, there is a different level of what that offense asks their quarterback to do than what Sunday quarterbacks are doing consistently around the league. So, And I, I think that's fair to say what Ohio State is asking their quarterback to do is different than what North Dakota State is asking quarterback to do and so in that standpoint he will be asked to do more when they you know he had a great season early I think 2019 where he didn't throw an interception well when you see stats like that I always immediately as a quarterback you know I'm always jealous first of all that someone could do that <laughs> because I never came close to doing that but also like immediately I think you know what he might not be being asked to put the ball in dangerous situations you know for whatever reason whether you're up all the time whether you're 
just not ask. I know if, if I'm coaching someone and I don't trust their decision making to play the position, I'm not going to give them a whole lot of reads to be able for things to go bad on the back end. And I'm not saying that's what happened. But when you look at the film, he's a guy who's not asked to do the things we were talking about earlier, where it's, you know, full field reads or, you know, things based on the shell of the defense consistently. It's not that he never does it. It's just it's not on the film that I've seen. I'm not going to lie and tell you I've seen every snap, every snap of 2019 North Dakota State, but I've watched a significant amount of games, and I love what he was doing. He runs the ball between the tackles. He's a dynamic athlete. He can make all the throws. He's got anticipation throws outside the numbers, but at the same time, he's going you know, one, two, three, four, check down, like you see Mac Jones do sometimes. No, but he's not being asked to do that. So, again, can you project him being able to do that? I don't think there's there's any reason not to think that he can do that, but Again, for me and our incomplete analysis of what I'm doing, it is what the film is. And the film is, hey, there's a throw to be made. He made a great throw. They're a very good program. I think you're absolutely right to think that, hey, this is a difficult projection as far as make this decision on someone we don't know that much about. More with JTO Sullivan coming up. I want to talk a little bit about Zach Wilson, if maybe he could be in the conversation here. Maybe some sleeper quarterbacks and who JT actually likes for the 49ers at number three next. A big reason to repair and maintain your vehicle is to save money. And because chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and always reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account Log in. Just go head over to rockauto.com. The website is super easy to use. Find whatever you need for any, and I mean any, make or model of car or truck. rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers for 20 years online. They have everything you need. Tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, small parts, big parts, aftermarket kits, whatever you need to get your car looking and performing it's best. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks and get it delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Do you want 15% off your next order at builtbar.com? Well, listen up and I'll tell you how you can get a tasty treat, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Right now, I'm staring at a box of Built Bars that I built myself. You can mix and match three flavors. I love the peanut butter. I also wanted to try some other flavors, so I went with toffee almond and one of the six new flavors, cookies and cream. 130 calories in the cookies and cream flavor. 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. It is fantastic. Other new flavors like caramel brownie, cherry barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp to go with their 12 original flavors. My favorite is peanut butter that I always talk about. Bars are covered in, this is the best part, 100% chocolate, not a brown colored flavored chocolate weird coating. It's legit chocolate. So get some yourself at 15% off with promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. Zach Wilson, you mentioned his arm talent there. Is, is he a clear number two for you in this class? Because it seems like everybody just believes it's Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson 
too. Is there a gap for you after Wilson? Do you think Wilson should be in this group with Fields and Jones and Lance? Or do you think maybe even Wilson wouldn't be ahead of some of those guys for you? Yeah, I, I, it's one of those things for me, I guess, me just being lazy. I don't have to separate those three guys, right? <laughs> I think that although for me, they all kind of glump together. I think it would be, if you were asking me to bet my something really important to my future on which one of those three guys that I took first, I would spend a lot more time watching Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, I think everybody, I, I know I haven't been like, okay, he's the number one pick. I'm not that interested in watching more about it because, you know, I just don't want to hear it from Jacksonville people that much, you know, like things like that, where it's like, I, I know that I, when I have watched Trevor Lawrence in some big moments, I've thought that he could have played better. Now that might be my own uh, expectation bias going in there. I think he does make some ridiculous plays. The guy's a freak. He's six, six, he can run, he can throw it. He can do all the things that you want to see. I think Zach Wilson more than anything else, if I was in that top three selection and, potentially the Jets kind of making that decision between Wilson and Fields or Wilson and Lance, I would want to go back and spend more time. I know I haven't, but I'm sure that they have. Go back and watch the 2019 Zach Wilson. You know, what's the difference? Is it decision-making? Is it the team around him? You know, I think anybody who watches the BYU film that likes offense realizes that they do a lot of really cool things schematically. They also have a hell of an offensive line. They also are not playing the SEC West schedule. And so all those things are variables in there. But it doesn't take away from the fact that when he throws it, it's like dynamite. Every throw is just fun to watch. And I love his arm angles. And I'm jealous of the arm angles. I'm jealous of the creativity and what he's able to do. But at the same time, it's hard to be able to translate that. I know the easy comp is to Patrick Mahomes and everybody's like, oh, when we watch Texas Tech, you know, he was doing those same type things. People weren't paying attention. You know, yeah, I think that's a fair argument. I just think that for whatever reason, he wasn't doing it two years ago. You know, so what's the difference? And so uh, I person, but the other thing about Zach Wilson, I love his upper body mechanics, like just his smoothness of the release. I mean, it's perfect. It really is. It, it, it's it's one of those things that I love it. It's just a he can repeat it all the time. He can change the arm angles. It's, as someone who's a fan of quarterbacking, that part of it is really fun to watch. Do you remember the movie? I think it was called Rookie of the Year. And the character uh, Henry Roland Gardner was a baseball player, and I think he hurt his arm. Right? Is that what happened to Zach Wilson? He had some kind of arm surgery, and he came back. Did he really? And he was throwing lasers. So maybe that's it. I do remember that. That was the movie where he like caught the home run and threw it into <laughs> yes. the pitcher. Yeah, and the scouts <laughs> saw him do that, and he got signed to a major league roster. Fantastic movie. I think we're aging ourselves here talking about that movie. That must have come out in what the late '80s, maybe, maybe early yeah. '90s. I'm not sure. I'm kind of glad I didn't have you on before the trade went down because. I was going to ask you about all these other guys, Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask and uh, Davis Mills, and you mentioned Jamie Newman. That's sort of the next group of guys that are not being talked about is anywhere near the number three pick in the draft. Do you have a favorite sleeper, sort of non-first-round quarterback in this class? Yeah, I don't know. I, and maybe it's just me because this is all I watch, right? Like, I don't watch the other prospects. But I really like Kellen Mond. I don't know what – like, I honestly don't check out a whole lot of mock drafts, so I don't know if where he's projected to go. But to me, he's got – back end first round talent. Uh, I don't know, you know, if that would be like the miracle to have five or six guys go in the first round, but I love, I really like Kellen Mond. And I think if he ends up in the right organization, he's got a chance to be really good for a really long time. I know it bothers me how like stiff he is, mm -hmm. but I think it's an easy, I really do think it's a, it's one of those things that is very fixable. And if he goes with an organization that kind of believes in that they, it's, he can fix it. And, you know, similar to what I think of like back in the day, you know, Aaron Rodgers like coming out of school, like locked in high up here, you get around someone who believes in being relaxed and smooth 
and that thing really changes your game, your mindset, your five, because he can make all the throws. You know, you start talking about pro day, you know, the pro day throw off thing that happened this off season. You know, he's one of those guys that jumps in and does the exact same throw as the other top tier guys. But for whatever reason, isn't in that conversation when he was in a, you know, basically a top five program, all they lost to was Alabama. And he played, I thought he played really well all year. And so that's probably my favorite of that next tier of guys. But you're certainly the other one in the Bay Area, Davis Mills, everybody excited about. I think depending on where he ends up, he's another intriguing prospect. But if I was, if I'm going to watch what happens, you know, I think everybody kind of understands what's going on with the first two picks. Obviously, what the 49ers do, where Trey Lance goes, and then where Kellen Mond goes, I think are, are the things that I'm most interested in. I Last like one for you here, JT. If, if you could go back and give 22-year-old JT O'Sullivan one attribute from any of the prospects we talked about today, so for example, arm strength, athleticism, uh, Mac Jones physique, Trevor Lawrence hair, although you did have some pretty strong hair game back in the day. I, I do remember that uh, and, and coming back with some strong beard game right now, if I do say so myself. Um, what, what attribute would you give young JT O'Sullivan? Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, I, I think the easy answer for me, just because I'm still recovering from the day that I was at the combine and the guy measured me at six one seven eight, <laughs> would be to <laughs> would be to be like Trevor Lawrence six six. You know, I just feel like that's such a huge advantage uh, on so many different, and it was for a long time, and it still is. I don't care if they people say that it's the you know the the generation of shorter guys now and got shorter guys playing at a high level. I do think that that's true, but I also think that it's a massive advantage to be able to stand in there and be that big of a human being. I think people don't realize how big most of the quarterbacks are that played at a high level for a long time. They are massive dudes. They're all power forwards. And so that would be the first thing I would take. The other thing I would take, uh, just because that's kind of an easy answer, the height thing. I, I personally really love how Zach Wilson throws the ball. I know I've already said it, but coming from someone who I've changed my release multiple times when I was a pro from like super short to a little long, to kind of everywhere in between and finally settled for kind of somewhere in between with like a three quarter release when three quarter releases were not cool at all. You know, I was, I was a guy who was fighting my quarterback coach all the time. Like, Hey, get over the top, get over the top. And I was like, well, this is my natural slot. Like, this is just where I spin it better. It doesn't look good. You know, it doesn't look perfect, but his consistency of his stroke for someone who knows how hard it is to change and really try to perfect that craft. I'm just jealous of, I know he's worked hard at it. I know his you know, guys that he's worked with in his camp. I, I think that that's certainly a reason why he's taking the trampoline effect that he has. But I'm just someone who's in awe of that kind of repeatable stroke, especially when he's got the firepower behind it. You know, c- coming from someone who threw a lot of changeups, when you can see someone have the same kind of pop fastball, uh, it's pretty. I'm pretty jealous. You were throwing changeups in baseball, not in the football field, right? Both. Okay. Both. A lot of changeups. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. That is JT O'Sullivan. You can find him on Twitter at JT underscore O'Sullivan. And you've got to subscribe to the QB School on YouTube. I really appreciate the time, JT. I know you're in high demand right now, so I really do appreciate it. Appreciate it, Ryan. I had a blast. Fantastic insight there from a guy who's done it in the NFL and does a fantastic job breaking down film. And it makes me feel better about my evaluations because I think we see a lot of things the same way. And I feel like uh, we're building a consensus here at number three, what the 49ers should be doing, which isn't what the consensus idea is out there with most of the major media outlets and what they're hearing the 49ers are going to do. So let's get into this mailbag. I know I've got a ton of questions out here. Maybe try to get some that aren't quarterback related, but I see some good ones that 
are as well. So a little bit of both coming up. We'll finish up the week here on Locked On 49ers. Looking at the latest NFL draft props released at betonline.ag. My opinion would be wise to get in on this uh, Justin Fields 5-1 to action at the third overall selection. Mac Jones favored there, no surprise. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson favored at pick 1-2. and two. First defensive player selected, Patrick Sertan. But you could get some better odds on Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips, J.C. Horn, Micah Parsons. Maybe. Could Rashawn Slater usurp Penny Sewell and become the first offensive lineman selection? What about running backs and wide receivers? You can find those props and more over-unders when all these prospects will be selected at betonline.ag. Major League Baseball, Masters Weekend, NBA, NHL. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can Imagine. Go to the website now. Use promo code Locked On to sign up and receive fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. On the subject of who is projected to go to the 49ers at number three in a lot of places, and the word on the street that most people seem to be hearing. Where is that word coming from? I have no idea. Is it guesses? And then that idea keeps getting repeated and repeated and repeated as truth? Or is that where the 49ers are headed toward Mac Jones at pick number three? But as we talked about yesterday with Nick, uh, Ian Rappaport reporting about uh, the date is set. April 14th is when Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields will throw again for NFL teams, the second pro day. And look, this pro day is happening because of the 49ers and they're drafting at pick three. They were at Mac Jones's when Justin Fields threw last time. I don't know if there's a lot they need to see with Justin Fields, but they'll have a chance to be there and uh, chat with the young man and chat with some coaches and watch him throw again in person, see how he spins it in real life. So they can gain a little bit of extra knowledge there about one of these prospects. And we'll see about the Trey Lance. I, I've, I haven't really seen any concrete evidence that Trey Lance is going to have another pro day, but he should, and the 49ers should be looking at him. And if they're not, that might be a disqualifier for him because I assume now that they have the opportunity to do this out in the open, they want to finish those evaluations. And they've never met the guy, and he played one season, so I'm sure they want to see him live as well. So we'll see if that Trey Lance pro day happens. But uh, let's go to Jordan here who says, bro, you see us going to the second pro day now? Talking about that second Ohio State Justin Fields, pro. it's an Ohio State Pro Day, but it's a Justin Fields Pro Day. Watch what everyone says. By the way, I've been listening for over a year now, and I listen every single day. Keep doing what you do, my guy. You're killing it. Thank you very much for the kind words. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I wonder. I thought even maybe after the Pro Days last time, seeing those guys back-to-back on the same day, just watching them on TV, and I was certain people in person would be talking and buzzing a little bit about what they saw from Justin Fields at his pro day, and that might change what people were talking about at pick three, and it didn't really happen yet. So maybe now it will, because I think a lot of the narrative at the time, when people didn't know that there was going to be another pro day that the 49ers were going to be at, that it's specifically John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were going to be at to watch Justin Fields, I think they drew a lot from that as well, thinking, okay, well, they went in person to go see Mac Jones. They got this trade done before that, so they could go see Mac Jones. That must be the guy they like. So maybe this will change some of the narrative, and we'll start to see more and more people plugging in Justin Fields at pick three. And who knows, it might happen again with Trey Lance, too, and they go to his pro day, and if it looks awesome, maybe we'll see that name popping up a lot more and a lot less of Mac Jones. But I'm just not buying the Mac Jones thing. Everything to me points to, I would say 50, I think I'm right at the same place I was the whole time. 55%, I would say Justin Fields, maybe 40% of 
Trey Lance at that third pick, and it maybe even skewed a little more toward Justin Fields the more I think about it and the more I look at this thing, and maybe like 5% Mac Jones. Like That's really honestly how I feel about it. I'm just not buying any of the talk. I'm not because it doesn't make any sense to me at all. And at some point, I'm guessing as we get closer to the draft, there might be some whispers. Everyone kind of knows what's going on at one or two. We're going to start seeing Justin Fields' name a lot more often at pick three. And I, you don't have to believe me. You can believe the Mac Jones stuff. You cannot. Um, I don't. I, I would caution fans not to get too worked up about it and not to crush Mac Jones too much. It's not his fault. He's what he is as a prospect. He's being artificially pushed up right now, and that's no fault of his. And he could still be a good quarterback in the NFL. And who knows, maybe he becomes the best quarterback in this class. But I'm just not buying the hype at number three. When he falls a little bit, everyone will be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's he went where he was supposed to go much later than number three. We'll see. But don't lose sleep over it and no need to attack the guy or attack his family or attack alumni of Alabama or attack other 49ers fans on Twitter or on the streets because maybe somebody likes Mac, somebody else likes Justin Fields, and, and another person might like Trey Lance. There's a Kyle Pitts hive out there as well that wouldn't even care if they traded all that up to go get a tight end. The NFL draft is a crazy beast. It's its own season. It's silly season. Things get nutty. Things get lied about. And remember this, that the, the real draft is always nuts. It's always crazier than any mock draft you will see. And someone who is graded putting in their mock drafts, you, you always see this grades after draft, and you can go back and look at who's graded out well and who's done a really good job of projecting what picks will be made. If you get like six or seven correct in the entire first round, that's awesome. You did really good. You nailed it. So it's hard to project what teams are going to do. And I, I think it's going to be extremely difficult starting at three, knowing exactly what these teams are going to do, because this is volatile. You can make an argument these quarterbacks are, are pushed up too high. You can make an argument that they should go one, two, three, four, five. And then what will these other teams want to do? And one pick changes how you view everything else behind it. So uh, this is going to get nuts. So buckle up and take a deep breath. It's going to be a fun few weeks. To Matt on Twitter, who says, Love the Locked On podcast. I'm British and have been a diehard Niners faithful since I was 11 years old in 1984. Awesome. Appreciate that, Matt. Question. If Kyle does draft Mac Jones over Fields and Lance, what does he see in him that us armchair GMs don't? Would he really pick him at three? Uh, thank you, Matt, from Nottingham, UK. Shout out to all my UK listeners. JT answered some of that earlier. I mean, he just sees this. I mean, it's easy. Like, with the first time I watched Mac Jones, I was like, oh, Kyle Shanahan's going to like this guy. But that was when I thought he was a second-round pick. I could have totally seen the 49ers drafting Mac Jones at pick 43. It would have made sense if they went corner in round one and didn't make this big trade. Drafting him at three, though, just the, the raw tools aren't there. And one thing I saw, the more I've watched Mac Jones, and he, he does process things very quickly, and he's pretty accurate. He's not deadly accurate. You know, he's not like... He gets it on his guy, but not always the right shoulder to help him run after the catch, or it's dying on him a little bit on the deep balls. The effort he has to put on some throws to, to gas it into the intermediate level or deep sometimes. But he's never pressured. That's the thing. That team is so good, and they're so well coached. The schemes are awesome. There's guys running wide open. The Alabama receivers had a better team receiving grade in 2020 than LSU did for Joe Burrow in 2019. And that LSU team had three first-round wide receivers. And two of them are going to go this year, in Ch uh, Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall. And then, obviously, the, the best receiver 
for rookies in the NFL last year, and Justin Jefferson came from LSU. They didn't even grade out as well as this year's. I'm not even talking about last year's Alabama team that had four future first-rounders on it. This year's Alabama team that has two first-rounders, and who knows, maybe even more, because there's that next group of guys. And that's the other thing, because Jalen Waddle was hurt, and people say, well, he only had Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman, by the way, and, and uh, Jalen Waddle was hurt for a lot of the year. But there's, you know, there's more first rounders coming that were on the field. We just know they're not household names yet, right? And that's how talented that team is. And the offensive line is so good. There was just always guys open, and he was never under pressure. That team is a juggernaut. And but he operate like that's not his fault either. He operated the offense, and he went through his reads, and he looks like he knows what he's doing out there at quarterback. So it's really easy to see how he could fit into an NFL offense, into a, a Shanahan offense it's just it's the upside it's the potential there um and he he was not as deadly accurate as his numbers might look and he wasn't the one driving the bus right he was a passenger in that just that just unstoppable train that is Alabama football go read Ben Solak's article on the draftnetwork.com actually he does a better job breaking down what I'm talking about with accuracy with all these quarterbacks and the numbers don't tell the whole story about the accuracy picture and the arm talent with these guys. Paul says, is it just me? Are most of the voices in the media putting Jones to the 49ers completely ignoring what Shanahan said about what he actually wants in a quarterback in his presser last week? He name checked Mahomes and Elway specifically. That's the thing I don't get. Kyle Shanahan pretty much. That's why I'm not buying any of the Mac Jones stuff. Cause Shanahan came out after the trade and said, it's ridiculous that you would think that that would be my prototype quarterback. My prototype quarterback is John Elway and Patrick Mahomes, two of the craziest arm talents we've ever seen in the NFL. He was a ball boy for those 90s 49ers when his dad was offensive coordinator when Steve Young was quarterback and one of the most athletic passers in the league at that point in time. So that's how you know that's what this trade-up was about, going and getting the high-level talent, the guy that he said he wants one of these top five quarterbacks in the NFL. And it's so hard to project somebody to be the next Brady or even the next Drew Brees. And when you consider Cousins and Schaub and all these other players that, and Jimmy Garoppolo himself that gets compared to uh, Mac Jones, you're going to trade all that just to maybe get better and maybe not even be better than Jimmy G, you know? Uh, Jimmy G has been the most winning quarterback he won more, uh, has a better winning percentage actually with uh, Kyle Shanahan than actually. Let's go to those numbers. He has a better winning percentage with Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G does, than even Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan's the you know the the golden child. He was at least a, a first round pick. All the rest of the quarterbacks we're talking about that get compared to Mac Jones, those guys weren't first round picks for a reason. Jimmy Garoppolo at twenty two and eight, and this is I tweeted this out the other day, and because people talk about that you can plug any, I guess we are going to talk about quarterbacks today, uh, you, you can plug any old quarterback in with Kyle Shanahan and profit. And it's just not the case. It has not been the case throughout his career, and it's still not been the case. They just traded, they're, they're spending four draft picks to find something better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Why would they be trying to find something similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And we just saw him fail with Nick Mullins, and we saw him fail with, C.J. Beathard, Brian Hoyer's got a 7-12 and career record. These numbers from Warren Sharp, at Sharp Football on Twitter. Very smart guy. Um, C.J. Beathard, 2-10 and as a starter for Kyle Shanahan. 5-11 and for Nick Mullen. 7-12 and for Brian Hoyer. 
the two winning quarterbacks, really the only two winning quarterbacks Kyle Shanahan's ever had is 22 and 8 with Jimmy Garoppolo and 19 and 13 with Matt Ryan. Remember he he it all came together in that second year with Matt Ryan struggled a little bit in that first year together. 0 and 2 with Johnny Manziel, 0 and 1 with Connor, Connor Shaw, 12 and 16 with RG3, but he did coach RG3 to his best offensive season as a rookie in 2012. 6 and 10 with Rex Grossman, 5 and 8 with Donovan McNabb, 1 and 3 with Kirk Cousins, again as a rookie. 0-3 with John Beck, who, by the way, is, I believe, running the pro days for both Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. So there's another little backdoor connection there with Kyle Shanahan. You know you know how the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch loved those personal connections. Uh, I lied. There's another quarterback that had a winning record, a third, Matt Schaub, 15-12, and 12, and then Sage Rosenfels, 2-3 and three, under Kyle Shanahan. So you can't just plug any old guy in there, and I'm sure... He's tired of any old guys at quarterback. This move is to go get a superstar quarterback. To me, it's Justin Fields or it's Trey Lance. So rest easy. That's the way it's going. And then we can all clinch our fists if, if it's not the case <laughs> on April, whatever day that is, 28th or 29th. Oh, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. It's going to be a fun Thursday night on draft night, too, as we prepare for that number three pick. Man, see, I wanted to get some non-quarterback questions, but there it's just an overwhelming number. Everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks. Like, that's the thing. And I was so done talking about quarterbacks until I think the very last episode before the big trade when the Niners moved up was like, all right, we're going to get into the rest of this. Let's get deep into like fifth round centers, right? And nope, they make the trade. And that's what all the questions are about. That's what all the talk is about. I think we will have some time in the next few weeks to get deeper into some of these things. And I got big plans uh, next week to start doing more of that. And I'm doing work on more and more of these prospects getting deeper into position groups so we'll go through the 49ers roster and we'll go through and see if we can match up some position groups some rounds some players to what the 49ers needs are in the NFL draft beyond the pick at number three right here locked on 49ers